We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. Lala's interest. Let's talk about a story featuring power and children. Ooh. These children were so manipulative and conniving, and I loved every second of it. And I was so excited they, like, pulled one over on their parents. <laughs> so good. This is one of those stories where I hear all the time how people compare, like, Russian literature with Dickens. You know, Dickens had a big influence on some of the earlier 19th century Russian writers, particularly. And I'm always like, yeah, whatever, whatever. But like, I don't know, maybe it's because of the children, the poverty, like this one, I'm starting to see like, okay, yes, I do see some of the themes and the the argument of where power comes from and where uh, class as a weapon is used. Like I'm starting to see more of the influence Dickens may have had that a lot of these critics are arguing. Were you waiting for the point where one of the kids was going to be like, a Kopex, sir. <laughs> and like hold out their <laughs> so, hands. In this story, we open up on an 11 year old car operator, I think is what they called him. Good old Yakov. Yakov. Uh, he was, he has his instructions of buttons of who to bring up and who to bring down. And he becomes friends with six year old Lala, right? Like, like this is the beginning of our story is these two children. And I guess the perspective of the story is, is, we look at these children and we kind of downplay their power. We downplay what they have control of. They're just children, right? Like they they don't know better. They, they, they can't make decisions yet is the feeling you get at the beginning of this story, right? Yeah, the mom, it's her perspective of that Yakov is lesser than because he's this car operator and that her and her daughter are better than him. And it really is kind of her perspective that they she's more important because she's an adult and she kind of lords that over the children and the children know that too well she tries to stop them too right like going to the landlord like there's gonna be a meeting of children you gotta bring licorice if you're not a member of this building <laughs> yeah I, I like how the kids finally decide that they want to take some power for themselves and you don't know who organizes the meeting at the beginning of the story but there's gonna be this secret meeting for just children and it is hilarious that to, in order to get into the meeting you have to bring licorice and that drives the price of licorice up uh, a little bit of you know economics in there as well I, I loved it well and you know the mother goes you know slam the, the daughter slams the door mother finds her daughter's gone runs to the boys you know he's gone too so she goes down the elevator and bloop, gets stuck by the elevator operator right like let's trap the adults so they can't stop the meeting the children have the meeting yeah so they all come together and now they're collaborating and it's interesting because it unfolds just how you think it would unfold with kids. Complete chaos in the beginning where all the kids are just kind of yelling out their complaints of why they're upset at their parents, which I think is pretty standard of most of us can probably kind of relate to that, that as a child, you see a lot of faults in the things you feel like your parents are doing unjustly to you. Do you think that the mother wasn't listening to Lala? Like, do you think that because 
it was a child, her interests are lesser than her own? From the mother's perspective, no. But from Lala's perspective, yes. And I think that's important to note of whose perspective you're looking at. Me, I kind of... I guess my inner child kind of agrees with the children a little bit here that sometimes parents see the bigger picture and the children see just their own internal suffering. Do you know when this story was written? I don't remember. 1925. Oh, okay. So we're, we're right in the roaring 20s and life is pretty good for the upper class of, of most of the world. Yeah, but not in Russia. <laughs> no, not in Russia. We have the 1917 revolution. We have communism is kind of in swing here. Um, do you know what uh, the workers, uh, what is it? Workers party, workers union. There's workers councils. That's what it is. Workers councils. Uh, do you know what that is? Yeah. So I feel like that there's a good vibe here that the children are representing kind of the unionization and that the children are the ones that are saying maybe the people should be making the choices and not the politicians. I felt like the story overall was kind of anti-communist and a little bit pro-capitalism of that maybe the people should be given more power and the government should not be lording over them, i.e. that the parents are the government and the kids are, you know, the rising up of, you know, almost like a democratic society. I think when we look at how... I mean, this is a new kind of a newer, I mean, the idea has been around forever, but in terms of actual execution, it's a newer thing for the world to see. And these workers councils were way of putting power at the lowest level. Like it's kind of a weird, we only know power at the top growing up in the West, right? Even your comments right there sound very power at the top, the way you describe that. But workers councils were kind of like that attempt to flip it where the power was at the lowest levels and they could vote and it, it was representative, right? There were uh, ambassadors, I think, that were given the power and then voted for what the people wanted. But in theory, it was a, a more consistent way of putting power at the lowest levels, I would say. I would agree with that. And I think that isn't it kind of ironic that when you talk about power being at the top and the bottom, what is one of the main components of the story? The parents who have the power are stuck in an elevator, power at the top and the bottom, and the kids are in the bottom of the building. Mm, I love that. Oh, <laughs> a lot of some, yeah, yeah, a lot of good symbolism here in this story. Very, very well crafted. This is obviously, I think, um, to me, well, to me, I should say, is more of like an allegory, like we said, for the workers' councils, where uh, the workers could, even if they didn't like sure. how they were being representative, they could vote out the, the upper levels, like. In the West, we can't do that. You don't like your CEO. Well, I guess You're there's boards. <laughs> I guess there's boards, but you know, if you had a company of fifty thousand people, that one person at the bottom, you know, he ain't got the power to vote out, right? Um, but isn't that kind of it? Like, imagine if you didn't like what your parents were doing, and you're just like, hey, yeah, the three of us got together. We're gonna outvote you. You're out, you're out, pops. Like. <laughs> <laughs> and that that's what's hilarious about like the end of the story and you get the little letter uh saying like basically i shouldn't have chosen you mom or i'm gonna pick different next time and it's like oh that's kind of a gut punch where you realize a lot of times from a child's perspective what is important to them of what they would pick for their parents now do they know best maybe not and i think that's a good argument the story is uh, when you think about you know this power struggle between parents 
and children or government and people do the people really know what's best for them or do governments? And I think that's what it really mm -hmm. comes down to the heart of the story is who should be making the decisions. And I don't know the answer. And I don't know if there is a yeah. right answer. I don't think as a society, any society has ever come up with the right answer. And I think that's what's being kind of questioned here is, is how can we do this better to make life better for everybody? Yeah, I wish I was smart enough to know the answer there. I, uh, I couldn't help but wonder, you know how like when in the United States you have a certain period of time when your representatives are allowed to take the floor and speak, right? And sometimes they just like use up their time and like literally will just read the dictionary just to kill time. They call it filibuster, filibustering, right? I wonder, was there a similar thing with like workers' councils with how they like trap the parents? Like, was there a filibustering there of of keeping the quote unquote parent the you know locked up for a certain period of time? Like, I wonder if there there is a parallel there or not. Was was one of the things that I was kind of wondering. Oh, that's a good question. I, I imagine you could see it that way. I think that the kids, obviously, it isn't as complicated as full-blown governments and filibustering and everything. Uh, they were on a set timetable. Uh, I, I did how like how they organized how they were going to air their grievances out. Uh, very interesting. Yeah. Have you ever thought um, in terms of this author? So it came out in 1925. So you know it's got to go through... I don't know if censorship or for the authorities is the right word, but it had to go through another set of hands before it'd be published. Right. And there could be, you know, a hard stop based on what the author is saying. Do you think that this book is neutral enough on I say book, but the story is neutral enough on how unions organize and where power is because of that? Or do you think that there was clearly perhaps a, preference from the author for me i thought it was clear as day that the author had a preference to the fact of being a little bit more pro-union or pro-choice for people in their destinies uh and maybe taking some power away from the government but i think that's because we know what to look for i think that if you were reading this in 1925 1926 in russia or maybe anywhere in the world for that matter I I think that it's subtle enough. I think that it it glosses around the issues that it doesn't overtly hit you in the face to say this is what I think. It just makes you think of hmm maybe people should have some more choices if they're being told what to do from an unfair standpoint. All right, Lala's Interest by Vera Ibner, published in our Russian short stories. We'll leave a link down below. Let us know what your interpretation was of the story, and did you think that Vera had a specific angle that she was going for with this one? My name's been Una. Thank you for spending time with us today. Peace. Crypto out. <laughs>